been illegal. You can't get it. You can't use it. You can't grow it. You can't smoke it. But everybody does. Welcome Far North Tokyo. This is episode 76, January 14th, 2018, with your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Wow, today's intro, inspired by Rhonda Howard's delectable lemonade cookie. 250 gram milligram, 250 gram milligram, huh? And new cultivator to the scene, Snowcapped Gardens. Strawberry banana sherbet, one gram. Hmm, 17.34. Later in the show, we'll be doing a review on that. What we have today, we have the Alaska voice on marijuana policy creator, David Guttenberg. Let me just say, this is my first podcast. So, ah, welcome. <laughs> Representative, state of Alaska, District 4, heading back to Juneau. He's kind enough to come on and tell us what's going on with that. Wow, what I'm telling you, absolutely knows cannabis. Policy, knows what's going on. He is leading here. He is leading, trying to get input from us. We have a lot to be thankful for, Mr. Guttenberg. Well, welcome, Representative David Guttenberg, to Far North Tokers. I'm so glad to have you on. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Sure. So you're representing District 4, and that's going to be yeah. representing a lot of Fairbanks, and I'm noticing caught up in that redistricting in Alaska debacle, huh? The Supreme Court threw out the district that they drew for me, which went from Fairbanks out to the coast to the old mouth of the Yukon, um, McGrath, a whole bunch of Iditarod communities, and some Yupik, and um, anyway, the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do this. So they redrew my district, and now I'm in a, the tightest configured district I've ever had. I used to go from Fairbanks all the way down to Cantwell. Now, in Fairbanks, it's from, from Fox to Esther. So I can now drive across my district in about an hour. Nice. That's a, it's a good representation for cannabis there. They voted high in ballot measure two, 2014. Very high, right? So with the last recent one where we, that we had on, on the borough, it was about, I got about 82% voted against the resolution, which basically would have shut down almost all cannabis activity in boroughs. No, that's huge. 82% of a vote. That's, that's mandate. Yeah. So going back to 2014, ballot measure two, how did you feel about going into that? I see you're running against Joe Blanchard at the time, and it wasn't, really cannabis wasn't on a lot of questions. People weren't really, they were shying away from it at the time. Well, I I spoke in favor of it, and actually Joe did also. Oh, good. You know, for me, the, the pot issue has always been troubling because under Raven, you could have it, but you couldn't buy it or grow it or move it or look at it outside your home. You know, the question was, how can you have a constitutional right if you can't get it? And I'm not a pot smoker. I mean, I used, you know, in the 70s, I smoked my share of pot, but just in, in the context of 
the right being granted and recognized by the Supreme Court under Raven, which is the name of the case, which is the, everybody knows it by, you couldn't grow it, you couldn't get it, you couldn't get it in the mail. There was So how do you have it? So I was always troubled and tried to figure out when is somebody going to challenge that. And my understanding is that nobody wanted to turn the card over. Uh, it was always troubling for me. It's just limiting access. It, it's making you a criminal. It's giving you, saying you're allowed to do it, but then making you a criminal to have access. Yeah, and that's part of the larger picture of what's going on, or I believe what's going on. 2014, you win your election, you get into District 4, ballot measure 2 is passed. We go into 2016, you run unopposed, which is good for cannabis. Win again. Well, if I ran unopposed and didn't win, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, it's good for cannabis. It's yeah. good that everyone generally thought you were doing a good job. So well, keep going. Yeah, right? thank you. And I, it's an amazing thing to run in a post. It's a, it's a blessing and a privilege, but, you know, you also have to work harder and people don't want to help you put the effort in. And you still have to run. People don't understand that. You still have to run and do everything because if you don't, the next time you run, people would have forgotten who you are. So you, part of that political nature of always having to be there and people to see you and what you're doing for them. And taking advantage of all that free press. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they want you on interviews and TVs. Do it. Oh, yeah. Talk your message. Yeah. So we get to 2017 last year, and we have Sessions being brought up in federal government, U.S. Attorney General. And then I noticed that that's when the marijuana policy st starts getting going. The, you know, we, the federal marijuana policy resolution, it seemed like it had a little bit of talk, a little bit of traction, but it, it didn't follow through, did it? No, I mean, under Obama, the, God, I forget the attorney general's name already. See, that's what it's all about. You know, they wrote the Cole memo, which I thought was rational. You know, it allowed states that have legalized marijuana to keep doing what they do as long as they live up through statute or regulation, what the feds wants to do, and that is have a, a tight legal framework, keep it out of the hands of kids, and enforce it. Personally, you know, I don't have a problem with, with that. And, you know, I wrote a re resolution after the election telling uh, uh, Sessions, asking him to live up to the coal memo. And I know that there was budgetary restrictions for him to not, but the way they handled the budget this year, those restraints were lifted, and he just went hog wild. You know, and, and now we're suffering from what he's doing. And I say suffering because I believe that Americans and Alaskans will suffer at the hands of this irrational drug policy. Do you feel it's really going to come forward or you don't feel like we have traction as states to stop it? Well, I wish I could say that we did. I mean, Congressman Young, who is a, um, a uniquely Alaskan character, is also a big part of the pot caucus in D.C., which is great. Murkowski and Sullivan have, I think they both condemned um, Sessions' actions and put all the other states. But where haven't, why haven't they done stuff already? Congressman Don Young, area code 202-225-5765. Lisa Murkowski, area code 202-224-6665. Dan Sullivan, area code 202-224-3004.
I mean, I think they, I think they could have asked, um, and I think this is significant because this goes into the irrational behavior of, of, of the marijuana laws, is I think they could have pressured and asked the administration, no matter which administration it was, to justify having marijuana as a Schedule One substance. It's, it, there's no legal medical justification for it. It's not the same as heroin. It's not the same as, as those, those other things on the list. And if you had taken off Schedule One, a lot of the problems would have been alleviated. They need to still push that because I think that's a, that's a really big step of what needs to happen. And that gives, session, oh, I agree. And that gives session the foundation of what he's doing. I mean, here's a guy that said Ku Klux Klan are good guys until he found out that they smoke pot. And then he didn't like them anymore. I mean, talk about, I, I don't know what kind of behavior that is, but it's not rational. No, no, definitely. We definitely. It's going back to 1930s Anslinger. It's yeah. standard attack on its class. Yeah. It's class warfare. It's uh, racist. So what happened to the resolution? Why didn't it, um, why wasn't it passed? Well, you mean my resolution in the legislature? Yeah, the 2017, uh, yeah, 2017. Time ran out. And we, when we go into special session, the only things that you can act on are the things that are on what's called the call. So the governor puts out a call for a special session and he lists what you're doing and you're limited to that. I mean, I didn't do it, you know, in 15 for 16. I did it, you know, in 17. And so, so the time ran out and, and then during all the endless special sessions that everybody has endlessly gotten tired of hearing about, they weren't allowed to be brought up. I mean, the governor did, it was, it was the budget, it was government shutdown, it was the crime bill. And that's all you could deal with. If the legislature had called itself back in, everything's on the table. But it was the governor that did it, and he decides what you can do, and that's what we're limited on doing. Being a reaction to Sessions, the 2017 resolution, here we go, Sessions coming back last week and totally dismantling all positive memos, guidance memos that have guided state's attorneys on how they're doing and it, they're just, it's all gone now. So you come back, I, I see right afterwards you come out and you're definitely vocal about what's going on. It's really good to see. I noticed Kawasaki was on your um, resolution of 2017 and he's not on this one. What, what's going on with that? What about the rest of the interior delegation as well? Oh, if, if he, so the resolution is the same, nothing's changed. You know, we does he stay on it, or is that how it works? I'm... The uh, resolution lasts through through a whole legislature. That's two sessions. So the, orig no. the original resolution is still in place. So his name is on it. The press release had somebody from Kodiak and, and somebody from Anchorage, Grin and, and Louise Stute. Right. That, that doesn't mean Scott's not supporting it. So his name, Good Good his name is still on it. And what I did with the Facebook page... The outreach to the public is, you know, I can rewrite all the whereas is and all the be it therefore resolve, but I thought it was a good place to get Alaskans to speak up and talk about what they want to do and and say what they want to say and if it and if it if it makes sense, you know, I'll put it in. If it if it's really a succinct 
you know, legislators, we are not the end all for everything. There are many other places to go for good ideas. So I was giving people the opportunity to have input and to write their own clauses. The whereas is, is we believe you, that Sessions is an idiot. Be it resolved, he needs to resign. I mean, some stuff like that. That's kind of what the whereas is and the resolves are. Sure, simple, right to the point. Yeah, call, yeah. Make a statement of fact and call to action. And you know, I just figured let let the public, you know, let the public weigh in on this and and give them an opportunity to to express themselves and kind of came on on one of the crazy things that happened with the legislature, that is the beginning of January, we all pack up our stuff and move to Juneau. And, you know, the offices, the, the, the computers in the offices go and, you know, we're disconnected for a while and, and we have to catch up and the Facebook page isn't, you know, isn't done on it every day like it, you know, people would normally be watching it. And But now we're getting back. We We go in on the 16th and you know, my staff is, you know, doing their all their mandatory training and upgrades. We'll, we're catching up and putting stuff in place. And so if people have, have, have made comments on there and haven't seen it, it's because we haven't processed the paperwork and the stuff that's in there to put it up. People might not like this, but I want to make sure that everything gets up except for everything that's appropriate, right? I really don't care if you want to curse at somebody as long as it's appropriate. What we're talking about here is the Alaska's voice on marijuana policy that you're opening up your resolution to let public have a voice in. And that's something I really appreciate. But in reading your resolution, I'm not sure it's necessary. You hit you hit some major points right away, and I, I fear of muddying things. So let's talk about your major points. What are your whereases? I'll, I'll let you, so I won't well, blast through. Well, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I think I think the resolution that I had originally introduced is right on. But oh, it in, is. It's privacy. The, right. You go the, to talk about constitution, privacy, Raven, and yeah. then we voted for it. So there you go. One, two, three. Bam, bam, bam. Well, well, it needs to change because the original one told Sessions to live up to the Cole Memo. <laughs> right. Now we need to tell him to go back to the Cole Memo. You know, so so the issue has evolved from supporting the Cole Memo, the Cole, that was Assistant Attorney General Cole who wrote it, to, and Sessions has, has negated it. So we need to go back to it. We need to honor those things. So, you know, if I just wanted to tweak it a little bit, I could have done that and just rewritten it to reflect that. But, you know, going back to let's let the public weigh in and then I could submit their their comments with along with the uh, committee hearings. And this is what Alaska can say. And I hope they do that because it's kind of building the case, you know, where the public wants to do it. And a lot of people now feel, even people that are, you know, are nebulous or just on smoking pot, but, but now there's an industry that's legal, that hires a lot of people, that pays taxes, that has investments, that is being productive part of society. And now you want to undercut all that. It goes to what uh, Booker was saying. I noticed that you guys posted, posted that to Senator Booker from New Jersey, right. talking about the opioid crisis and attack on people of color and the poor and the war of drugs is no good, destroying lives. One of the points that really struck out to me on that was talking about we have ex-presidents who have admitted smoking cannabis, and then we have people going to jail for it at the same time. Well, you know, that is part of the clear contradiction of what it is. We have, you know, how dangerous to society is it, and what, what does it do in society that causes what kind of reaction from government? And I think it has it has been used as a tool for injustice, 
That's irrational. That's put a lot of people into jail. It has done a lot more harm than that it has helped. And that's problematic. Now, you know, people will say that are against any other, any other being drug and making it legal and, you know, we shouldn't be doing that or sanctioning it. But the problem is, in that argument, that it's already here. It, you know, the borders have been closed to it for 70 or 100 years, right? It's been illegal. You can't get it. You can't use it. You can't grow it. You can't smoke it. But everybody does. My generation, the Vietnam vets have come back, you know, with their experience in Southeast Asia, kids in school. It is nothing new. We have not been able to control it. We have not been able to, and actually, I think it has led to the growth of other drug problems. If you're going to say don't have it, then, and if you don't like um, uh, intoxicants, then, you know, you, you have to put alcohol on the table. Otherwise, you, you know, you're just demeaning your own issue. It's led to the unfair enforcement of these when you're allowing one group to get off and one group doesn't, and you can enforce it at will. It's yeah. just anyone you want to go after, you can. It's, that's what's really dangerous about having even our coal memo. That's what If we can reschedule it, like I, I keep hearing you say, that's going to affect so many other giant policies of our, our national problem with cannabis and our state problem. Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief Businessman there to drink my wine Come and dig my herbs Just an example of the craziness about all this. So there was a story in the, in the ADN, the Andrew Daily News, or is it called the Dispatch now? I'm sorry. Yesterday or the day before about the number of reported cases and suspensions in high school of, 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 of kids with, um, with pot. The article doesn't delve down into what really is going on. You know, are there more kids smoking pot or are they just catching kids smoking pot and reporting it as smoking pot? Whereas before, smoking pot was, you know, would have led to a crime or a misdemeanor or something that eventually would have taken a child's or a kid's ability to get a, um, a scholarship to go to college. You know, so are they just reporting things differently? And those are questions that, like what you're talking about, is the, um, how justice is administered and when it's fair and where, when it isn't fair. And I don't know the answer to that question on the suspensions in the, the Anchorage High School, but I think it brings up the question is, what is the reality of the situation? Are they just saying they were smoking pot as compared with doing some other disciplinary thing? Kind of what you look at those stuff, you have to ask those questions. None will level on the mind. Nobody of it is worth. Could you describe for us what the process is for this HJR 21, Feds Respecting State Regulation of Marijuana? So we, we've got it out. We're collecting public input. What's the timeline on this, and, and then where does it go from there? Well, we haven't gone into session yet. That happens oh, the 16th. We go back in. We'll gavel in. You know, we'll all be in attendance. The speaker will put the gavel down, and then we'll start the session. Move that at the Judiciary Committee into State Affairs. Hopefully, it'll get a faster hearing. We've already requested a, a hearing. So it'll go up in front of a committee. The committee will, even though I wrote it and there's co-sponsors on it, 
the, it becomes the committee's bill, and they can do what they want with it. They can amend it. They can delete things. They can add things. Hopefully, it'll be succinct in that they just agree with it and move it on to the next committee, and then it goes to the floor where we all vote on it as a whole and we debate it, and we'll see, we'll see what people have to say. Some people are adamantly opposed in the legislature to any kind of, of legalization or increased use of, of, of marijuana, and then it goes over to the Senate, and the Senate will do what they want with it. You know, they'll schedule it for a committee, and I'll request a hearing, and then I will follow it through, get in touch with everybody that testified before, keep people uh, appraised. And the governor doesn't sign this, right? Then we send it. Then we send it to the sessions and Murkowski and Sullivan and Young, and they stand up on the floor of their bodies and they wave it and they shake it and they say, you know, Alaskans believe in this. And then in the end, what is what does that do? It it just it lets our federal government know that we support this and our representatives support this. Yeah. And then we see what happens, right? Right. Well, yeah. It, you know, it, it's sometimes we jokingly call the resolutions memo to self. Right. It's just sure. it's just a statement of beliefs that we want others to understand how we feel. There's no there's no law. There's no statutes are being changed. Some people feel, well, what's the point of it? The point is we're expressing our beliefs. We're pushing it on. And if the legislature supports this, it's not just a couple of people, you know, that are standing on the street corner that are yakking about stuff. It's the legislative body. Right. And we need to push this. We need to make sure that there's an understanding that these issues are growing and vital. And if this is the opinion of the legislature, then that's pretty significant. You know, and, and if every legislator in the country legislature in the country does that or enough of them, then you will have pressure on the Congress to act. If if Sessions doesn't act, well, I think still the, the Congress needs to act as well. It's kind of hypocrisy. I was talking last week to my friend Jeremiah Emerson, and we should expect Sessions to go after it, right? It's the law. He's the top cop in, in the country. It's hypocrisy not to. We just need to have Congress tear it down, dismantle it, deschedule it. Let's have Sessions move on to other things. Well, I think, you know, when you're the top cop in the country, you need to focus. This is true on no matter what the issue. You need to focus your resources on what's the most effective thing to do. We have an opioid crisis, you know, that is that is much more devastating than than your neighbor smoking pot or growing and smoking pot. But Sessions is the mind of going way back. Some of those the, the reefer madness that, you know, you're going to turn people into crazies and they're going to go running around screaming, pulling their hair out. Part of that world is it's been proven that that doesn't happen, that that is not the situation, that pot is not a gateway drug, that if anything, it tempers the use of other drugs, whether it's whether it's alcohol or or trying to beat heroin or the medicinal uses on cancer and seizures and uh, epilepsy and on the whole nine yards, uh, the body of literature and medicine and research says there's there's other other things that are much more important that you can do that are much more effective than just becoming the warrior against pot. 
there's all kinds of solutions and, and it's time to take the stigma away from cannabis. Yeah. As we go forward here in the next session, what do you feel is one of the most important state policies regarding cannabis that we could start focusing on? It's most important. Well, you, you know, part of the problem part that we're dealing with with the marijuana industry now is that it's growing and there's growing pains. And there's certain things that we feel that we didn't expect that we have to regulate differently or not regulate or, you know, and be consistent and be productive. Personally, I think, I think one of the, the most important things to do is come up with a, a commercial place where you can go to smoke pot. Right, on-site consumption, right, which is problematic because we have anti-smoking laws. And personally, I think one of the biggest issues out there that is problematic across the board is the ability to have a, a, a blood tester that actually tells people how inebriated you are or whether you should be operating your car at this level or not. And I, I don't think we have that. It's always been very problematic for me. But that's a national issue. You know, maybe it gets fought solved by one state laboratory figuring it out. But I, I think we let the, the board go on its way, do things it needs to do, and I'm not sure there's really a lot of things, and maybe your voters, I mean, I can't think of anything on top of my head, but until they adopt a policy that takes state statute, then, uh, then we just let them go through that process of input. Now, we just lost one member and from his reaction uh, on the one member on the board, I would say that was productive to get him off of there. You know, it's like if you think that's what it is, you know, if this mm, whole um, this session um, movement just negated the whole law and all the state policy, and and you think there's nothing left to do now, we're going to go. Um, it's just like I, I'm just I'm just as glad that you're gone because that board is not there to kill an industry. That board is to figure out how to regulate it. So that it can operate in the state productively for the best use of the people. I know there are some members on the board that are adamantly against it, which is for me is why did you get on the board if you're you're not willing to actually regulate it so that it's productive? I'm backing off and watching what happens. You know, the lab testing is problematic for potency. Um, there's things that aren't consistent, and um, you know those have to be worked out. Sitting here, Mr. Guttenberg, I, I'm completely impressed with your knowledge on the issues, and what's going on. Well done. I'm I'm happy to know that you're sitting in there representing us when the knowledge you got here. Well, I'm um, you know for me, you know, um, you know I've watched this for years. Lots of my friends have smoked pot over the, well, still do. You know, I've watched these policies in effect. I've watched, you know, I worked on the slope. I'm retired out of the labor's union. I I watch drug policies not be effective. I've watched testing not be effective. You know, you watch kids who can't go to school because they don't have a scholarship because they got busted for pot. And now the, the great vast body of work says, you know, we need to take a different approach on this. And I'm just wanting to make sure that from my little perspective and the things I can do, that I, that I help in that. I'm not advocating people smoking pot. Any smoke in your lungs is bad, but we need we need to be realistic about what we're doing here and pot in society and not go. I mean, sessions is just a, just such a giant step backwards. 
on irrational behavior that's troubling. So trying to keep that going forward, trying to have, have this become a rational thing in society. You know, and if something happens down the road where, I don't know, whatever it is, we'll have to react to that. But right now, you know, there's, there's more things to watch as they play out than, than actions to do here in the state, right? The, the, at the federal level, it is a whole different world. You definitely have your constituency supporting you there in District 4. And looking at your contributions coming in, you've got state employees and the public workers union, the labor unions. What do you feel about the discrimination against employees for smoking cannabis and employee rights? Well, you know, part of that problem is drug testing before the fact or after the fact. I mean, you clearly, if you have an accident, you know, they're going to test you for alcohol. And if they're going to test you for pot and other drugs, there has to be a there has right. to be a way that that it is actually reliable and effective and consistent. And I'm not sure there is for alcohol. You know, if they find heroin or methamphetamine in your in your blood, that's something. But for pot, and there's lots of medical and scientific reasons that it isn't. But I think we have to come up with something where it is. And I don't. You know, I work construction. So the, if you tell me, well, you're you know, we're going to test you, and they did, then uh, a lot of times my, my hands were in places where I have to watch everybody else because I wanted to, when I pulled my hand out, I wanted all my fingers. But not every job is like that. <laughs> I think that it becomes an entire issue because it's, it's legal. Well, you know, working on the slope, somebody would go to Europe on vacation, smoke pot in Amsterdam come home and be and randomly tested and lose their job. Well, something's wrong with that. So it is that ability to test and be accurate and factual on the effect that the drug is having on somebody at that point needs to happen. And it's problematic that we can't do that. You know, if you're, if you're working behind a desk, if you've got nausea issues, if you've got seizure issues, if you're, if, you know, if it's okay to be drunk, all weekend and come to to work in the morning on Monday, but you couldn't smoke a pot, smoke some pot on you know Friday night or something. Something's inconsistent there and, and irrational, and I think that's part of the behavior left over from the old. It is, and it it further the stigma uh, of cannabis, the negative stigma on cannabis, where employees can't speak up about what they're doing in their spare time because they could be fired for it when it doesn't affect them at all. So it, it leads to a population that's hiding again when, in a completely legal. Well, I'll tell you, there was an article in, um, in the New York Times a, a few weeks ago that I didn't read the article, but the headline was, the only people that don't get pot, that don't understand what's going on in America on the pot, with pot, is the po are the politicians. And I, I just laughed at that because I thought there was a lot of truth in that. You have to be clean in that idea of not having any skeletons in your closet. And cannabis has been a giant skeleton for many years. So we got to be hidden or, or completely clean or squeaky. Well, you know, I haven't been hidden from the issue my entire political career, right? So in that entire time, I haven't, I haven't been a consumer. My, um, my wife died of cancer, you know, and, and, and she was a smoker. And, and, you know, when we do, she was going through chemo, she told the doctor, well, I don't, you know, I, I, I got pot to smoke and I, I'm good. 
And they said, we don't want you smoking pot. We'll give you all the Marinol you want, right? Because we don't know where it came from. We don't know what chemicals are in it. We don't know if there's mold in it. We'll give you all the Marinol you want. And for people like that, to be able to control seizures, nausea, eating disorders, uh, you know, the list goes on. And I haven't been shy about about um, speaking up about it because, you know, it's a rational dialogue that people have to have. Um, and we need to continue having that discussion. Personal experience with medical. I'm sorry about your wife. How um, that leads to a discussion of medical versus recreational. Should there be a difference? Should there be different tax structures if you're a medical patient? Should you be able to go to a different completely medical dispensary? Maybe taxes, no taxes on medical. How do you feel about that? Well, I'll tell you, if you're, you know, if you go the way they're go with pharmaceuticals, if you're talking about just the way the pharmaceutical industry works, if you're going for medical marijuana, you're probably going to pay a lot more than buying it from your local um, cultivator in a store because everything medical is really, really expensive. But I, I think think there's a legitimate research has been done that says it is, you know, clearly has medical benefit, benefits. Oh, you know, the tax structure, whether you, you tax it or not, you know, it's such a small part of it, you know, and you can grow it at home. Well, what amazes me about is the strains, right? All the different strains for specific things. I'm not sure that you just legalize it across the board for recreational use, the pharmaceutical side of it, you know, the doctors being able to prescribe it or recommend it. They're all staying away from it now, right? They'll Research. say, yeah, you, can, you know, they're not going to prescribe it, but you can go use it right. and it probably will help you. I haven't really dwelt on it. I just think the large the difference between... You know, we don't we don't have the issue. I mean, Ray, under Raven, there was no difference between medical and recreational. So uh, I'm just I'm the, I'm in that world. Right. Just what we we're talking about access. You had no access in the medical world before, and now that we have access, it's still hard for medical patients to get that that high dosage sometimes that they need. Yeah. Especially at the cost yeah. that it is at the recreational level. Well, I, I, I think a big part of that is the ability to accurately test. You know, and have labs that can do that work. That said, this is what you're getting consistently, right? You know, from, from, and the strains are different also, but, you know, it's not something that I have, you know, to be honest, dwelt on a lot, you know, just um, the difference between medical and, you know, after my wife passed away, I had a full bottle of Marinol. I couldn't give it away. I mean, nobody wanted it, you know. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. I I don't think I would want it. Yeah. It's like Wanted to smoke a joint. Right. Get it where you know where it's coming from. I mean, I guess you, like you said, all the testing in pharmaceuticals, you kind of know where it's coming from, but when you can sit there and look in your backyard and know where it's coming from, different. Yeah. Let's take a break now. Dave Guttenberg, really bringing it, huh? Let's go review Strawberry Banana Sherbet right now from Snowcap Gardens. You can find it at Grass Station 49. I think you're gonna like. Strawberry Banana Sherbet. One gram snow-capped gardens. Tested 17.34%, CBD 0.06. Soon we'll see some terps put on these labels, you know it. 
Just looking through the package. Oh, I got this at Grass Station, so kind of a cool thing they do is, you know, when you go up to the counter, see, I'll take a gram of this, gram of that, eighth, whatever. They grab three bags and hand them to you, and you choose the one you want, which is really that's a nice touch. Slows things down, but um, I, I like that process. So maybe, and it doesn't seem, I've never been in there where it's been super busy. It's been a problem, so love it, love that touch. Okay, snow-capped garden, strawberry banana sherbet. Some of you have been listening to the show for a little bit or know me. I know one of my favorite strains is Jack Hare. And it's just branding with that one. We've got Jack Hare, the emperor wears no clothes. Why is cannabis illegal? The great Jack Hare. First legal purchase in Washington. Had to go for Jack Hare, right? It really blew my mind. And when you think back on strange alike, it's branding. Grab an icon, such as Jack Herrer. If it brings quality, you're going to go back. Smoked it three times in three representations. It pretty much all tastes the same. I remember what it tastes like. Mmm. Nice clean taste. Really stony weed for me. Anyway, Jack Herrer. Chris Ray, Grass Station 49, points it out that hey, we've got some Jack Harrow down here with their big event, with their cultivator event, last cannabis cultivators, Aurora Blaze. Went down there, checked them out. Picked out some Blue Gorilla from them, and I was going to get their Jack Harrow. But no flower, only pre-rolls. I was really looking forward to looking at it, the Jack Harrow. So looked over, and I see this strawberry banana sherbet. Now, strawberry banana has a very nice place in my heart. Little kid hated yogurt. Looking at that stuff, just thinking about what even yogurt was, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what it is. Terrible name for it. Over a friend's house, they were eating yogurt in the morning. I ain't touching that. Come on, strawberry banana. You like it? Try it. Hmm, I did. That was the first yogurt. Love that stuff. Strawberry banana yogurt. So that was the beginning of that little love in my brain. So when I see this strawberry banana sherbet. Let's go, right? Alright. Looking at it through the pack. It looks frosty. Real frosty. Let's get in here, huh? Hmm. This fun part about opening the bag. Nice seal, guys. Okay. We're in. Mm, love getting my nose down in this thing. Mm, that is a classic herb smell that I love. Now, we all love different things. That Bowser that's going around, that orange, not a fan. This, mm, I'm going to get better at identifying these aromas, that is for sure. Who wants to be a connoisseur with me? I want to say it's almost lime, it's not really lemon. Got that citrus. Mmm. I really love, I really like that smell. Strawberry banana. I don't see a strawberry banana smell to it, but sweet. I go with that creamy. Let's go with that. Alright, let's look at one of these nugs. Alright, one of the issues with getting a gram bag is 
you know, you're not going to get one of the biggest nugs, but being able to choose your nug at Grass Station, you get a pretty nice one. Pretty dense, that's for sure. Good trim. And this is a pretty nug. Alright, now I'm a grinding guy, so let's get into grinding this. Breaking it up, putting it into the grinder. Not sticky at first, but now my fingers, oh, my fingers are sticky. That's a good thing. I haven't seen that in a while, actually. Mmm. Continually good smell. I can't wait to smell this under the grind. Mm. I haven't smelled this in a while, so I'm having a hard time finding it. Great aroma. Okay, let's get in here. Okay, we got the good smell. Good cut, good nugs, good trichomes, seemingly great cure, good dry, it's sticky when I'm touching it now off the grind, putting it into a nice clean pipe. Alright, mmm, thing is a sticking. Strawberry banana sherbet. <laughs> mm. That taste, the aroma is the taste. Really nice. Mm. What is that taste? hit feeling it sink in for sure mm. I really like it settling down in my eyes are actually feeling a little squinty already I like let's go for two I'm really going to enjoy token on this for a while. This is going to be one I go back for. Strawberry banana sherbet. Snow-capped gardens. Beautiful looking nugs. Great smell. Great profile. Taste profile? Whew. Mm. I, I want to see the Terps on this. Let's, let's see what I'm tasting, right? I, I want to be able to contact these cultivators. Maybe have a database where we can get to and we can look at them so we're not bothering people at the store. We can cross-reference this batch and see what the Terps we are smoking. Mm. Well done, Snowcap Gardens. I'll be back. Highly recommend strawberry banana sherbet. Nice, clean, smooth. Someone's going to tell me what that taste is. What is that taste? And I'm going to be like, yep, that's it. Woo! Mid Toker approved Far North Tokers. We love it.
So I see you're born in New York. New York, New York, huh? I grew up in New York City. I graduated high school in 1969, and a month later I was here and basically never left. Well, wow. I see you went to, um, you have like a degree from Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. Well, no. I, so I chased my high school girl. I chased my high school girlfriend back there. <laughs> and I didn't get a degree, but I, I, I was there and I, I put that on there because it gives a little bit people's perspective of where my interest was. And, right, and I, I zipped right back here. This is, you know, I didn't understand when I came to Alaska. You know, I thought I was coming to fight forest fires. And what I found was just an amazing place. You know, 47 years, going to be 48 years this summer. I still have friends from that time that are in Alaska that came up at the same time. I still have good friends from the 70s that are still here through the pipeline years. Um, people doing amazing things. People found opportunities here and a lifestyle and the ability to enjoy life and grow their families and do the things they wanted to do that you know, I didn't know existed. And, and I would need, want to make sure that people still have those opportunities. It's encouraging to hear. I, I'm from Pennsylvania myself, and oh. I moved here in 99. So being here, uh, almost coming up on 20 years. Um, and it seems like I lose more people that I know up here. Everyone's moving away. So I'm encouraged to hear that you uh, that you still have your friends. I have, I have few that I've known since I first got here, but that's one of the things about Alaska that I've noticed. I get to like someone and become friendly with them, and then they, okay, I'm going back to where I came from or... Oh, encouraging. I'm glad to hear that. Well, you know, so I, I ran into an old-timer when I was younger. I think it was like 72, 73. I was down in Homer, ran into this guy. He was a merchant marine. And he said, no matter where he went, he was a, called himself a rounder, a merchant marine all over the world. When he stopped, there was somebody from where he came from. And he came from across the street where my parents lived in New York. Right. And I have found that to be true here. You know, there was a, a movie and a, I think it was a play, Seven Degrees Separation. You, it, you don't, it's not seven degrees. It's only a couple to know everybody on the planet. It sure is, and it gets smaller every day. One thing before I, before I lose you, somewhat separate from cannabis, you would think it's separate from cannabis, but I'm going to tie it right into cannabis, is your advocacy for broadband Internet across the state. And that brings um, equalization to rural communities to participate in the cannabis market because you have to have internet. You have to have broadband internet to, con to connect with Amco and Metric. So uh, you give a plug for that. I, I'm excited. One thing, I live out here on China Hot Springs Road. Oh, okay. And I have worse internet service than you're uh, talking about. Talking about taking, taking about you know taking good lines out to rural, and I'm like, bring it here. Say well, what's I going on with broadband. Bring it. So um, Alaska is completely underserved. You know, the industry talks about how wonderful it is at the Chambers of Commerce. They'll stand up how great everything is. But the fact is that there are, I mean, it just in my district, and you're, I think you're just out of it, uh, out of, outside of my mm -hmm. district, um, there are thousands of people that are underserved. And that is children that can't do their homework, teachers that can't do their work from home, People that can't do business in Gulfstream, you know, you come over um, the Farmer's Loop Ridge into the Gulfstream Valley, you lose connectivity, and people all across Alaska have vast 
blackout areas, although if you listen to the FCC and the industry, they don't. You cannot function in society now without functional broadband. And they've, they've brought the standard down to 10 megs. And that is, um, I have four at home, which I am delighted by. The people walk the halls of the legislature selling software and hardware and laptops and tablets and all kinds of systems. But the fact is, if you don't have it, that is, is, is pointless, whether it's telemedicine or library rates and where we're paying for it not be functional in this society at a level that is comparable to everybody else. It's the great equalizer now. The, the telecommunications industry in Alaska gets $200 million a year in subsidies. The guy that just killed that neutrality, that um, Pi, Chairman Pi of the FCC, called the plan for Alaska, which is going to cost us a couple of billion bucks, that it's going to waste $350 million over a 10-year period. And it's not going to leave the infrastructure in place that we'll need for the next day. And the industry is not building that because their personal, well, their, their corporate business plan doesn't get them there. And if you're receiving that much in um, federal subsidies, then you should be building the infrastructure that we want. But unfortunately, I went back to the FCC and spoke with them, and I was told, by, by lawyers outside of the SEC and around that they know you're coming, right? The industry knows you're coming. There's 20 lawyers that are going to go in right behind you. They'll know what you're talking about because we have to do this disclosure, which I didn't know about, right? I have to write a letter to the same people I met with, tell them what we talked about and, and who was in the meeting. That is um, because there's a called an open docket. It's available to anybody. You can you can see it, and the lawyers see that in the industry, and they come in and they say, well, you know, with all due respect, Representative Cuttenberg doesn't know what he's talking about. But what I know is people in my district and around Fairbanks and around the state stand up and say, he's right. I don't have. I can't function at my job or at home or my kids. We don't have Internet till they have it then it's a fight we have to have. And I have other things I would love to do, you know, instead of doing this fight, but it's what's on the table. And Alaskans need to speak up with this because, you know, for you and this, the, the AMCO board and, and all of these issues, it's relevant for this, right? How can you function out there? Sure is. You know, how can you apply for your permanent fund when you don't have broadband? Or you have to go into the library to use the libraries. And the libraries, the way it's set up, the libraries are all subsidized because it's really expensive in rural Alaska to have a library to use what's called the E-rate, and that's subsidized. There's just something wrong with the structure that we have. And I have a couple of bills, and I'm working on another one that hopefully will help. But what they are are full, full employment for lobbyists, right? So I put in a bill, and the industry just starts hiring people to kill all my efforts. But it's the people that want it, and the people need to get it. And if the telecommunications industry isn't there to, to deliver a service, then we need to figure out how to get it to Alaskans outside of them. And that's my story out of second. Ah, beautiful. Is there anything else that you wanted to get out? How can we at uh, Far North Tokers 
help you with this feds respect state um, regulation on cannabis? Speak up. You know, and it really makes a difference. You know, the, the single most effective thing is an individual voice calling a legislator. Congressman Don Young, area code 202-225-5765. Lisa Murkowski, area code 202-224-6665. Dan Sullivan, area code 202-224-3004. Telling them, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Well, so, some staffs are rude and some legislators are rude. It always amazes me. But get on the phone or get on the computer and write your opinion and let them know. You know, it's very different from pulling out something or, or just forwarding on a forward that, you know, 100 people have done the same thing. But if you just tell your little story, whatever it is, you know, I was busted when I was 16 and didn't get it, you know, can't get a job or I've got um, a medical condition or I'm in a business, you know, and I've hired people and, you know, this is irrational. Whatever you need to do. You don't need to be a, a poet laureate to write your story. Tell us what it is, and that works. It, it makes a difference, and that's what people need to do now, just not with, with the marijuana issue, but broadband is very important as well. And telling people not just so they hear from the public and not just the industry, uh, the telecommunication industry, on those two issues, that's what you need to do. That's what's effective. And let me just say, this is my first podcast. So, ah, welcome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. My sphere of influence is growing. There you go. So, um, is the classic idea of the written letter? Do have we gone past that idea now? Are we can? Does an email still work? Oh, Will yeah. an email work as effective yeah. as a written letter? Yeah. No. E you know, an email from an individual Got telling it. the story is you know. And even if you do, you know, send to all the legislators or you can go, you can use your, um, your legislative information office in Fairbanks, um, or is this statewide or where does this go? This is international. This is worldwide. Oh, Global. oh that, that's right. It's on the web. It's everywhere. So right. go into your information, legislative information office and, um, every community has one or there's an 800 number. And say what you're going to say, and they can they can send it for you, and they can put all legislators on it or whoever you want, and just tell them your story. It'll get out there if you can't do it from home. A handwritten letter is is pretty unique these days, so we open and read them. Just communicating as an individual is really what what's important. Very good. So right now on Facebook, we can find you on the Alaska's Voice on Marijuana Policy, and I see you have... Right. Over 100 people liking that right now, so that's good. Hopefully, we'll bring some more people to that. And how do how do people get in touch with you, personally in touch with you, if they want to keep going with this? Well, if they want to reach me by mail, it's rep.david.guttenberg at akledge.gov. Right. Or they can call the office. It's 456-8172. That calls forwards down to Juno. My staff will pick up the phone. If you're not in my district, call your legislator. 
whether regardless of affiliation, they need to hear your voice. They need to hear what their voters have to say. Thank you so much, Representative Guttenberg, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing and for reaching out. Hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. Today's bumper music, All on the Watchtower, Jimmy Hendrix. You can listen to more episodes on SoundCloud. Search Far North Tokers. New YouTube channel as well. Website at farnorthtokers.com. Like me on Facebook. Here's Token. Here's Token.